0: Hey everybody,
1: we are back at it again. Welcome to the Text Lab. This is Season 9, Episode 2. Season 9? <laughs> That's what Jake and I were talking about last last week. This is Season 9. That's amazing. It's a new year, a new baby in your life.
0: Yes, I. Yes, we have a new child. I'm here, David Kroll here with Kyle Quist today. How's
1: parenting with three kids going? Honestly, it's actually felt smoother to welcome in the third than... The first two? <laughs> I feel that's not about the children. That's about me and my wife. One, it just feels like your whole life is turned upside down. True. Everything changes. And two, for me, was like, you know, with Eliana, she's our first. When she was sleeping, we were good. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you have a second, and you realize you get one child down, and there's a whole other kid. Yeah. So, But now with three, it, was, it three felt to me like we're already just now you handling- you just- Given up on sleep
0: altogether. Yeah. You just know what to expect. You do. You just, yeah. You just keep going. Yeah. So it's
1: been, it's been good.
0: Well, this is not a podcast about our personal lives. Although I like hearing about, parenting your third child, your newborn. But this is the text lab where every single week we seek to do a deep dive into the text just to really help you study God's word, understand God's word, walk with others in your life group in the text. And uh, so whether you're leading a group, whether you're just trying to do some deep diving on your own, our hope is that this helps you have meaningful conversations and study about what God has said to us in his word. We are in the Bible Hall of Fame. Yeah. This morning. This is a Romans. Classic. 12, 1, and two. I mean, this ta- this gets tattooed onto people. Yeah, they, you know, this verse like goes above your kitchen sink and
1: in your bumper stickers and all these different things. Um, you want to read it for us, Kyle? Romans twelve, one, two? Yeah, and I'll just say, you saying that just makes me realize how often some of these passages that are really familiar, they actually become so familiar that we stop hearing them in a deep and meaningful way. True, they're just you know we've been like memorizing them in awana when we were seven um so maybe we can just try to hear this passage afresh yep this is romans 12 we're really going to camp on verse one today because we're hitting one and two twice so we'll really hit verse one today maybe we'll touch on two and the next week we'll really hammer home verse two so romans 12, one through 2 I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mm. So maybe we'll try to camp on verse one first. Sounds good there's actually a lot here to unpack. So he starts with, I, I appeal to you therefore brothers. And that therefore is a big therefore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, hyper- it's there for a reason. It's there. Yeah. I had a professor who would say, whenever you read the word therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. So a little, just a, a Bible reading tip that everybody already knows. When we read a word like therefore, that means we probably need to go read the previous passage to understand what he's referring to. Cause he's saying in light of something I just said, brothers and sisters, By the mercies of God, do this thing, which is present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So that word, therefore, it's hyperlinked. And if we could click it, like you think of a website, click on the hyperlink and all these passages from chapters one through 11, and really all of chapters one through 11 is what Paul is saying. Therefore, in light of what I've just explained in verses one through in chapters one through 11 and the mercies that I just talked about, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, the word mercy is really closely tied to the idea of compassion in the Bible. And I I love that. Um, It's a word that when, when God, I think this is Exodus 34, six, it's when God is telling, basically revealing his name, what he's like to Moses. He says the Lord, the Lord. And the first word is merciful or compassionate in the NIV. And compassion is this beautiful attribute of God that it means he sees us in our Plight and he's moved by it. Yeah. And and so what Paul's been saying is he was actually moved from heaven. Mm -hmm. God moved himself Mm -hmm. from heaven into our neighborhood so that he could die for us. And because of that, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I love that. It's kind of
0: amazing, even, even as you look at the beginning of this first verse one, like there's almost these like really three big header almost bullet points that Paul's saying all within the first half of the sentence. Like the word therefore truly is hyperlinked back to so much in Romans 1 through 11 that you have to read this verse thinking about all that stuff. And yeah. kind of when you read really like 12 through the rest of the end of Romans, reading basically the whole rest of the letter with the first half in yes. view in your mind almost the whole time, it just changes the whole understanding of it. And you, as you hold 1 through 11 in your mind, suddenly you recognize all this stuff now that he's saying is building on top of everything that he's just talked about. And so Drew just did a review of basically 1 through 11 this last week, talking about Jewish and Gentile relationships, God's role for Israel um, now and in the future, talking through um, being sons of Abraham and um, a, a grace and a mercy that comes through faith. And then really Romans 5 through 8, talking about this new life that we have in Jesus. And so I really think one way just to read that is you could even add in Paul saying, therefore, because of your new life, Therefore, because of what the Spirit has done, therefore, because you ha- you were not able to earn it through Abraham being your great-great-grandfather, you were not able to earn it on your own, nothing nothing you could do according to your flesh. But therefore, because of your new life in the Spirit, now this is how you live. So just to yeah. emphasize again, reading that passage, and it's cool, he even calls them brothers and sisters there. Again, like our our theme for this series has been unity in the gospel and Paul had talked a lot about Jewish and Gentile relationships in those first 11 chapters. And so, therefore, I urge you, again, brothers and sisters. That's Paul's most common way that he addresses the church in the New Testament over 150 times, always calling them brothers and sisters in Christ. And there, and you just then, know that off the top of your head? I just, you know, got those tucked away for a podcast that's, on, a, that's a good... on a rainy Wednesday morning. And then, in view of God's mercy, truly, again, going back to that Romans 5-8 through section, because of this new life that you have in the spirit, because you're no longer a slave to sin, you are a slave to Christ because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now this is how we live. Yeah. Um. So just kind of just holding that intention suddenly like makes a half of a sentence that he starts off with super rich and yeah. deep and um just really big. These ideas that he's talking about, but very life giving and that he's going to then talk about really the implications
1: of um,
0: this new life that we have in Christ, this new life in the spirit.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we we literally could just go word by word. He begins by saying, I appeal. So Paul's making this appeal, but his appeal is based on God's mercy and all that God has done. That God, that, that, that Christ took your guilt. So you could be innocent. Christ took your shame. So you could be honored. Christ took your death so that you could live because of all that. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Maybe we can talk about that idea of what it means to be a living sacrifice in a second, but Um, just riffing off what you're saying, it's important to remember that our worship is always a response to what God has done first. Mm, Yeah. And who he is, his character. And that's what Paul's been laying out for 11 chapters is what God has done and what God is like. And so worship is not this, it's not this arbitrary thing. It's a response. Worship Mm. is responsive to what God has done and who he is. That word at the end, spiritual worship, it's one of the, Moments and where, where people just kind of argue about what the best word to translate there. And if you read like the NIV, it'll say your reasonable worship. The word is in the Greek is a word connected to logos, which is where our word logic comes from. So some people think that you could translate that spiritual worship. Instead, you could translate that your reasonable act of worship, your logical worship. And the idea there would be that we... we you know, in the Old Testament, you have ignorant animals being led Mm. to be sacrifices. They don't know where they're going, but we are not like that. We are not ignorant animals being led to sacrifices. We are thoughtful, living sacrifices that are responding to what God has done for us. And so even when we come in on a a Sunday morning to sing our worship, when we're leaving here and we're going to go live as everyday missionaries as an act of worship, all of that is an act a responsive act of what God has already done for us.
0: And it's pretty cool what Paul's doing here, even on, on the idea of being a living sacrifice. That's not something they would have ever heard before.
1: Yeah, it's a, right? it's like, a con- if, like if there's one thing that all sacrifices have in common is that the dead. <laughs> yeah yeah there's not like
0: oh you're a sacrifice and it's, it's walking around sacrifices were a huge deal yes. in first century um jewish world and roman world as well offering sacrifices to pagan gods and lots of different forms lots of different ways and then especially if you were a first century jew um offering sacrifices as, as temple worship and then this rich old testament history and narrative of the levitical law and the sacrifices being offered. And and so you would have lived in this world of blood yeah. and gore and death. and death and animals dying. That was like very fleshy and concrete and, um, and experiential in many different ways and sobering and constantly the reminder of the consequence of sin and the weight of sin that would have been right in front of you all of the time. And you're very, very aware of that. And so now Paul says... Hey, offer yourself as a living sacrifice would have been this incredible kind of just play on yeah, words. Yes. It would have been, it would be us saying like, hey, a living morgue or like something like that where it's like, oh, that just doesn't quite make sense in my head. A living graveyard. And it's like literally talking about be- death yet being alive yeah. at the same time, which is which is this huge Concept that Paul's just talking about—that you are no longer slave to sin. Your old self has been put to death. Thinking back, living, thinking of Romans one through eleven in mind, thinking about Romans six, like you—you have been buried with Christ, and now you've been risen with Christ, and so now you're these dead people who are alive, these dead people who are walking around in this new life, and that's this this cool wordplay that he does there, talking about being a living sacrifice that I think just really would have struck them. Yes. Uh, It it would have been this new idea. It would have been like, Paul, what are you talking about? What are you trying to describe here as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God? Kyle, as you just even think about even some of what that might mean, what what comes to your mind when you're thinking about living and being a living sacrifice in your life?
1: It's a great question because, you're right that we, again, we, this passage is familiar to us. So we read that and we're like, yeah, be a living sacrifice, but we don't <laughs> yeah. always pause to really meditate on what it means. And I actually think there's a lot to meditate on. Paul is taking an image that they would have been, that would have been really common to them and sacrifice. And then he's playing with it. He's mm-hmm. messing with it. And so it would cause them to pause and to think, what is Paul trying to say? And I think where their mind would go and where our mind should go is, well, what did a sacrifice do? Like yeah. what were sacrifices about? Yeah. Yeah, and whatever a sacrifice did in its death, now I need to do in my life. Mm, that's good. Uh, Wait, can I you think- say that again? Whatever a sacrifice did in its death, I need now to do in my life. Yeah. So I mean, part part of this is Paul Paul's saying like the old covenant is gone, and so we no longer have to offer animal sacrifices. Yeah. But yeah. what you do sacrifice is yourself. And when you think about what a sacrifice did, a sacrifice devoted the totality of its life to God. It wasn't partial. Like it, the lamb didn't get to go and be like, I will contribute my ear like the whole lamb is sacrificed. Yeah. And so for us, it's this is a this is a call to total devotion mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to surrender, to yield yep. every aspect of my life. So we could just pause right there and start thinking about like okay, what are the areas of my life that I want to withhold sacrifices pointed to God's holiness and his goodness. That's uh you know, you take and Israelites they they took their best. You weren't supposed to take the sick little lamb, you weren't supposed to take the ram that broke its leg last year and isn't going to make it. You mm. took the best that you had and you gave it to God to point to his holiness and his goodness. Yeah. And so again, for us, we we exist now in our, our, our whole life is about pointing people to Yahweh. And And then to your point, sacrifices died. And I do think Paul is alluding to what a lot of the New Testament alludes to is that as Christians, we are dying each day yeah. to an old way of life. And that's part of what it means to be a living sacrifice. So yeah, I think being a living sacrifice means you you give the totality of your life. It means that you spend your life pointing to God, not to mm-hmm. yourself, and that you're dying in some way each day. Yeah. yeah, which hearing even the words you're describing, you can really be describing
0: the life of Jesus. Like the ultimate picture of a living sacrifice. All of his life given in sur- surrender to his father's will living his life in ultimate surrender that ultimately he was this physical sacrifice for us who died, but then now lives again. And then is this ultimate picture for what living life as a living sacrifice means. And just that a living sacrifice is even possible because of his resurrection yeah so when paul's talking about a living sacrifice he's not just doing a word play without meaning he's saying living sacrifice is possible because christ was the actual sacrifice but didn't stay dead yeah so he was the ultimate sacrifice the fulfillment of all of these old testament sacrifices that have pointed ultimately to his sacrifice now he is alive and so now we live as living sacrifices and so it's 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 not losing the Old Testament understanding and model of sacrifice—it's just fulfilled in Christ. And then, then the sacrifices continue, but it's with our lives yeah. that that we are alive. We are now living and walking. That reminds me of Galatians two twenty, where Paul cross referencing this verse says, "I've been cru- I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me." The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about somehow this way that you're dead, but you're actually alive. Talks about this way that you there's this part of you, this old self of you that has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ is now living in me. That now is this model and trajectory of your life to be truly alive, yet your old self dead in Christ, <clears throat> which is kind of this ultimate hope and healing, I think, that's offered to us in Jesus, it starts to look like all of life, I think, as worship. So when Paul is talking about that true and proper worship, he's not just talking about singing songs on a Sunday morning. He's saying all of life is worship. All of life is this surrendered sacrifice, um, worshiping and glorifying God. In everything that you do, I think that strikes me as part of what being a living sacrifice means as we're kind of just wrestling through what does that mean? Like everything you do now, every single moment, every single hour of your day now is worship. A lot of times something that can happen in our Christian lives is, is we can start to kind of divide secular things and spiritual things. There's Christian things I do. There's non-Christian things I do. There's things I do for God. There's things I don't do for God. And now that is no longer possible because this old life has, has died now all of our life, whether you are at work, mm. whether you are at playing, whether you are parenting, whether you are just hanging out or in school or studying, all of that is an act of worship now. Yeah. It's really this That's big, good. broad, beautiful vision now of like kingdom living. Just every moment, being with God, worshiping him in whatever you're doing, yeah. thinking saying at the same time.
1: There's a just to highlight the, the the dichotomizing that you're describing that we do that we split our lives into things that we think of as spiritual, and then things that we we really think of and treat as non spiritual. We might not say that out loud, but it makes me think of um, in Sesame Street when I was little. They would have this little bit where um, it was called. There was a little song that would come on. One of these things is not like the other, and it'd be like three red things and a blue thing, yep. and it's trying to like yep. teach the kid that like you know. These thing, these three things fit, and this weather thing doesn't. And Wait, we do that how, did our, that.
0: how did that song go again?
1: <laughs> gonna make me sing. <laughs> we do that kind of thing in our in our spiritual. Like like if I just threw out, here are four things: reading your Bible, mm. going to church, listening to worship music, yeah, scrolling on your phone. Which one of these things doesn't fit? Right. We all know, like our brain naturally yeah. brackets scrolling on our phone. Those other things are those other three things are sort of overtly spiritual in places to commune with God. But scrolling on my phone is not. It's sort of non-spiritual. Mm. It's just this whatever thing. But to your point, to be a living sacrifice means that now scrolling on my phone has to become a place and a space yeah. where I live to point to God mm. and yep. to worship Him. Yep. And and just that, you know, I think sometimes we feel like, really? Like scrolling on my phone, watching TV, can those really be things that are worshiping God? And Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 10 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever yeah. you do. yeah. Do it all for the glory of God. Yep, yep. He picks the most like basic human things, mm. eating food and drinking water. And he's saying, mm. now, when next time you take a sip of water from your water bottle, yeah. do that for God's glory. So if that can be offered on the altar, drinking water, then for sure, my job, my hobbies, I mean, everything. Like yep. changing diapers, yeah. packing lunch, sitting yeah. in traffic, all these moments— become opportunities to worship God. So there's a whole other conversation that we won't have today because of time about what does it mean to sort of redeem all those things and live in the kingdom and how do I, what does it mean to worship God when I'm Mm -hmm. watching TV, scrolling on my phone, sitting in traffic? Yep. That's a a worthwhile, that's that's another conversation. That's a long walk with an iced coffee. That's right. But
0: I think what you just said there though, man, I feel like that is the key to unlocking a beautiful life giving bread of life living water walk with Jesus that for much of my christian life it was about what you said the split i had the spiritual things i had the non-spiritual things and i was going to like work hard on the spiritual things to be the good christian to do the right things and when those things suddenly became blended together that i realized oh just as i like will seek to to enter into intentionally maybe worship God through some worship songs or read my Bible, spend some time in prayer, being with God and worshiping God through playing a soccer game, hanging out with friends, going to a movie, eating food or taking a sip of water, that that is equally a moment of worship. Suddenly there's just no separation there. And you're beginning to practice and experience the reality of the kingdom of eternal life That will begin, that will happen when you die, but begins now in salvation in Christ. And so it just suddenly changes the way you do everything. The way you go about work, the way you go about school, the way you go about relationships. Like even our son Jackson's playing on a soccer team right now. And I so badly want him to go pro. And he is six (laughs) years old. And the amount that all of these parents are living vicariously through their kids as they want their kids to win these soccer games is unbelievable. But like suddenly soccer becomes different. When it's like, what is Jackson playing soccer as an act of worship look like? Then it's about joy that he's having. It's about being with other people. And suddenly, if he wins or loses, or if he goes pro, just isn't that big of a deal. Suddenly, parenting, oh man, it is hard. And you're kind of in there and the thick of it with your kids. What does parenting as an act of worship, as a living sacrifice, mean and look like suddenly there's delight yeah. that comes up. Oh, what does what does going to work or the future of our life or what I'm going to do today look like when that's an act of worship? There suddenly you start to enter into just a peace about it. Because things start to get right-sized. It actually becomes about Jesus. It becomes about his name and his glory. And there's a trust. There's a peace. There's a rest. There's a joy that starts to come out of those things. So I just think I just think of what Paul's talking about there. He's describing this little glimpse of the kingdom. He's talking about this new way of living now because of the spirit that really does change everything about the way that we live.
1: Yeah, and, and just one other thought on that. If we dichotomize and say, I've got these overtly spiritual things and these non-spiritual things— The reality is, is that like the vast majority of our life is not the overtly spiritual stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like we started adding up the minutes or hours in the week that I spend reading my Bible, praying, going to church. Right. There's just way more hours where I'm like parenting. Yeah. Reading a book, going on a walk, all these other things. And so if if we bracket our life like that, we end up with a handful of hours where we're thinking about living sacrificially and pointing to God and worshiping him. And then a bunch of hours where we're probably not just trying to do whatever we want, but we're not intentionally thinking about worshiping God. And so as we merge and think, okay, to be a living sacrifice means everything's put on the altar. Yeah, My time, my energy, my money, my free time, my hobbies, my parenting, the way I use my words. Yeah. Then we have this, I mean, then the invitation is to make this really practical maybe is for each of us to start thinking about what are one or two things that I'm prone to withhold mm. and treat as if they are still mine. Yeah. And how do I lay it on the altar? Yeah. You know, we, we do that with money. We think, yeah, I tithe. And then the rest of the money is kind of mine right. to do whatever I right. want. But biblically, right. no, it's all God's, yeah. our words. We feel like I can just kind of spend my words, use my words however I want. But what would it be like to think of ourselves? Because I'm a living sacrifice. I need to spend my words in a way that honor Yahweh. What would I not say? What would I start to say more? How would I use my words to bless and build up? I think that's the invitation for us. As maybe we wrap up this podcast, is for all of us just to be pausing to think about what is it that I can lay on the altar today that I'm I'm prone to just going to want to hold it in a closed fist and and keep yeah and, and, and yeah. keep. I, I feel that with my free time. I feel like I have limited free time as a parent of three, yeah. like you you do and you know. And I can feel like, yeah, I go to work and I do my stuff and then I take care of my kids. And when I get these little slivers, I can feel like, that's my time. Yeah, yeah, Like, I want to do whatever I want to do. And it's not easy for me to pause and to think, God, how would you want me mm-hmm. to spend this time? What would be life-giving? What would be worshipful? I can just feel like, I paid my dues. Yeah. I, like, I went and worked hard. I parented my kids. I got 45 minutes now. I get to do whatever the heck I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me to begin to think like, no, I, I, maybe there's a friend I need to call to love them and encourage them. Maybe I need to go on a walk and just pray and be with Jesus and not just default to the things that I would prefer to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Good stuff. I think just continuing for me, like
0: as we land on the podcast, just continuing to view all of life as this moment that you are with God as an act of worship to him, just suddenly changes the flavor about how, You live all of those moments. And there'll be different invitations and invitations into joy and invitations into life in him that he is offering uh, throughout every single little moment of the day. Whether that is parenting, whether that is free time, whether that is these different moments. There's a quote that often attributed to Augustine where he says, love God and do whatever you want. And he's trying to make a point there. But the, the, the point is being... When all of life is in response to God's mercy, when all of life is as a, as a living sacrifice, suddenly if we're focusing just on loving God in everything that we are doing, the result and the expression of it will just be lots of lots of little acts of worship all over in our life um, as we live and as we walk through all of those all of those different moments, all those different things.
1: Well listener, thank you for joining us. Um, whether you are driving in a car, parenting your kids and changing diapers making lunch whatever you're doing we hope that this is helpful and we hope that it's helping you to think about being a living sacrifice this week as always continue to do your own study into god's word let the spirit
0: lead you and know that you are one that is sent this week uh, into your family, to school, to work, to Starbucks, the gym, soccer practice, wherever your Pray Watch community might be, wherever God invites you to go and be a living sacrifice to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on The Text